because of what the Lord has done for you, you're not supposed to walk the way this world walks. And the Bible talks about several things, the emptiness of their mind, their understanding being darkened, their past feelings have given over to greediness and uncleanness and lasciviousness. And that's not how a Christian lives. And let me remind you of something, church, tonight. Though the world around us could, is freaking out, and though there are issues, and there are things to worry about, that's not how a Christian should live right now. we got to trust God in the midst of this. And Paul tells them here, hey, if you've learned of him, you know of him, you know who the Lord is, then, put, then trust him. Hey, take that old man, put off that old man, and be renewed in your mind, and put on the new man. And church tonight, and um, I'm getting a little excited sitting here. And the Bible excites me. Singing songs to the Lord, it excites me. I want you to understand something. What we need right now is the Bible says, put off that old man. That old man's going to keep bringing stuff to us and keep trying to mess us up. And then it says, renew your mind. Church, if all you're doing is watching the news or Netflix or whatever you watch, that does not renew your mind. How do we renew our minds as Christians? We renew our minds through this book in front of me tonight. We renew our minds through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's how we renew our minds. And so these days that we live and what's going on in the world around us, we got to put off that old man and we need to be renewed. How much time do you give God during the day? How much time do you spend reading the word of God, praying? How much time do you spend worshiping him in song? Hey, we need to be renewed in our minds. And then we put on the new man. It just doesn't work that easy where you have the old man, you put off the old man, put on the new man. Old man, new man. You miss a key ingredient. Renewing of your mind. It's key. And in the day and age we live and what's going on around us right now, you must, you must, you must renew your mind. You must. And that comes through the word of God and through being filled with the spirit of God. Keep on reading here. They said, so when that happens, hey, don't be like the world. The first thing you see, he says there, put away lying. This world likes to lie. Our media lies to us. Say, Pastor, are you one of those that feels that way? Let me just give you a little thought. I hate the fact that anyone has died from this virus, and it and saddens me. And think about those families of those people. But last night, our governor, our ABC7, the mayor of Los Angeles said, these were their exact words, a 17-year-old 17-year-old young man died from the coronavirus. And that should be a warning to all of you young people. You could die from this as well. Go to ABC 7 News today and see what the article says. They took his name, 17-year-old, they took him off the list of those that died from the coronavirus. He died of septic shock. Could the virus have been what caused all that? Sure. But they have to find that out. They don't know for sure. So in our world, they make things look bad to make people be scared. And let me just tell you something. I'm not telling you not to be cautious and be safe. Be safe right now. But in this world, people lie. And the Bible says here, hey, you don't lie. Put away that lying. Hey, not only that, don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Talk, use words that edify and build one another up. Hey, instead of doing, instead of be angry, you can be angry. There's righteous indignation. Things that you can be angry about, but there's also things that you need not to worry, that you need to let die. And don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't give the devil a place to work. Now, last Wednesday night, we were supposed to be in verse number 28. And this is when all this stuff started breaking. And so I didn't cover verse 28. I'm just going to talk about verse 28 for a minute. 
And some of you that are on here tonight are not going to like me for a minute. But just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not Bible and that's not true. And I don't care if I'm online or if I'm in person. I'm going to preach the truth of the Word of God. Look at verse 28. You got your Bible there. Hopefully you do. Look at it so it's not me you're getting mad at. Let him that stole steal no more. Or rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. That's loaded right there. Bible, you know, we look and listen. Before I say a few words I'm going to say right here, understand right now a lot of people are out of work. You pay in unemployment. You do. It comes out of your paycheck. You deserve anything you can get to help you through this time. And anybody out there that gets help right now, the government's the one who shut everything down. They should help you during this time. But I think this verse is saying that there are people out there, at, and not right now, I'm talking about normal times now, don't take a little plug on what I say. I've seen people take little, in, little excerpts that someone say and use it against them. Don't do that with me. I'm not talking about right at this moment. But I think the Bible makes it clear. We have a lot of people that want government handouts. Get up and go to work. That's what it says. If And go easy. I know some of you are, you know, be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. I know that's what, you're, that's what I'm going to tell you right now. You're like, I'm going to turn you off right now. It's Bible to begin with. The other thing you got to remember is this. There are those who are ill. There are those who have, you know, you have single mothers and kids and all these things. They take care of the things that happen. I get it. You do need some help in areas. There are those who cannot work and they need help. But the Bible also says, let him that stole steal no more. But what does it say? You need to go out and work. How, how are we supposed to provide for ourselves? Are you ready? It's called work. That's how God designed it. So the Bible teaches. It says, let him labor working with his hands that which is good. So that you can have to give to people in need so you can take care of your family. You shouldn't depend. And right now I understand what's going on. And I told you, government does need to do something because of what they've done. But in a normal setting, and we look today, we have, <laughs> I shouldn't even say these things. We have a political climate around us. There's a, there's a presidential um, vote coming up in November. And a lot of people like certain people because they can get more from them. God did not design things to be that way. God designed us to work. And if you can't work, get help. If you need help in those, I get it. And as you get older and you retire, praise God. But you put, you put a lot of time in. You paid into Social Security for years. You collect all those things. And right now, you're suffering without work. Collect unemployment. Do whatever you need to do right now. You've got to take care of your family. And so don't crucify me based on all of that. But when this is over with and you can go out and work, quit waiting on the government to take care of you and go to work. That's what a Christian does. If you don't like that, read that verse. That's what it says. And I love you. I do. Love you all, okay? Remember that. And now we get to tonight's message, all right? And so be angry and sin not. Remember that. If you're getting mad at me right now, you're giving place to the devil in your life, okay? And uh, the scary thing is I can't see your face right now, so I don't know what you're thinking. And so I love you, okay? I really do. And I want what's best for you. But don't steal work. Whew. Anyways, we'll keep on going. So we are in the last area here, and you guys that have your notes, you can follow along as we go through. We see number four tonight, and lastly, in verse 31 and verse 32, we see that Paul talks about this, and as we journey through this, he reminds us of some things, and how, and he talks about our, in the arena of our walk. As a Christian, our walk should be different in the arena of our walk. We've looked at all these other verses before this time, and the results of a transformed life, one of the things that takes place, and we've talked about the others, it changes our tongue, changes our anger, changes our work. It also changes our walk. 
I want to talk about our walk for a little bit tonight. In these two verses, verse 31 and 32, half of you, I pro- oh, not half of you, but at least a quarter of you probably already tuned me out, but you're giving place to the devil. Don't give him place right now. Stay tuned in. We're going to go somewhere here. I wonder, I'm going to look later on. You can see the analytics of these videos. You can see at peak times. I wonder if my thing went down at a certain time or if everybody's still on. And so, you look at verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And so we see tonight, and we've looked at a lot of different things. We've looked at how, as a Christian, being transformed, that transformed life, we shouldn't be lying. Our evil speaking should be put away. Anger should be put away. Our stealing should be put away. And now we move into some things that are more inward things for a little bit of time. Now, I don't want anybody else getting mad at me tonight. But if you get mad, it's because some of these things you might be harboring in your heart. The things we look at in verse 31 have to do with the heart. So as we dive into tonight, the area of our walk, I want you to do letter A. We see there are some things that are to be abandoned. There are some things that need to be abandoned. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Paul lists seven sins that a child of God are to abandon in their life. And so let's look at these for a minute. The first one we see, number one, is bitterness. Let all bitterness. What is bitterness? The word bitterness, it refers to a smoldering resentment, a grudge-filled attitude. Bitterness in the heart, what it is, it will fill a person with animosity, and the bitter person will become sour and often filled with resentment and spite. And bitterness is mentioned first because all the other attitudes that are mentioned in verse 31 here flow from bitterness. Bitterness is where it all begins. Bitterness is dangerous because the Bible says that it could take roots in our life. It talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, how we can't let the roots of bitterness in. And it will poison the relationships you have in life because the bitterness that we let stay. And bitterness is a big thing. And you got to understand, bitterness comes when a heart is not right with God. If your heart is right with God, there will not be bitterness in your heart. Because you got to understand something, your heart can't have both at the same time. I've heard many a Christian say, I am right with God. They harbor bitterness in their heart. You cannot be right with God and harbor bitterness in your heart. Bitterness is a poison. It's like a cancer. It's dangerous. And it leads to destruction of faith and of relationships. I'm going to give you some verses you can look at later tonight. But a clear example of dangerous bitterness in life was Ahithophel. Anybody, you're at home, do you know who Ahithophel is? And some of you are thinking, who's Ahithophel? Ahithophel was David's counselor. Now, when Absalom rebelled against David, against his father, Ahithophel joined him in his rebellion. And when it came clear that David would prevail, Ahithophel went to his house and he committed suicide. But he was one of David's counselors that turned on David. So you say, well, how does bitterness apply with Ahithophel? Do you know why the reason why Ahithophel turned on David and why he committed suicide was because he was bitter at something that David did to a family member of his? Let me give you this real quick. Ahithophel had a son named Elam. That's 2 Samuel 23, verse 34. You can find that. And Elam had a daughter. Can you guess who Elam's daughter was? Bathsheba. So this is Ahithophel is Bathsheba's, Bathsheba's grandfather. Bathsheba is the one who David, basically, if you read the scripture real close, I think he raped her. 
against her will, had a relationship with her. This is her grandpa. And what we see from here is his resentment and his bitterness caused him to turn on a friend and eventually he committed suicide. What a powerful passage to read, to study. Bitterness, if we allow it to exist in our hearts, will produce a root system that will grow until it infiltrates and undermines every area of our life. Bitterness is a real thing. We talk about this COVID-19 virus going around. You want to know something that's that's worrisome? Bitterness. Bitterness affects many a person. Bitterness will do lots of things in your life. I think in your notes you have some of these things listed there. But bitterness will make you sick physically. You'll fret. You'll worry what people think and all these and what people have done to you. And body, your body will respond to that in sickness. Bitterness will harm you emotionally. The root of bitterness, it entangles around your peace, your joy, your happiness. And it chokes the life out of things. Bitterness will destroy your relationship with others. As bitterness grows, you'll become more negative, and your joy and your happiness, and you think about all these things, you'll be more negative, more critical, and you won't allow others around you because you won't know if you can trust them. Bitterness will demolish you spiritually as you fixate on that bitterness or person or institution that has wronged you. Your focus comes off the Lord and becomes on those things. It's very hard with bitterness. There are many people that I see that have a right to be upset about things that have happened to them in their lives and what people have done or what churches and institutions have done to them. But then I look and I see the bitterness inside and you're hurting yourself with that bitterness. Don't let that happen in your life. Deal with your hurts. Forgive. It doesn't mean that you need to let them back into your life and let them do it all over again in your life. But when you harbor onto it and don't deal with it, you're letting that root of bitterness be there. But what happens is, look at what you gotta understand. Having bitterness in your heart, you can go back to verse number 30, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God having bitterness in your heart. Bitterness is where it begins, but let's look at a few others tonight. Number two, you see things we need to abandon. Number two, we need to abandon wrath. This word refers to passion of the moment. Thumos is the Greek word. It means a thermometer. And uh, it carries the idea of sudden, violent explosion of anger, wild rage flying off the handle. Maybe a violent explosion of anger. I think you know what I'm talking about. Anger that builds up, blows out, and subsides, and quickly. But you got to understand something. You hurt so many people when you're full of wrath. And one person described this anger outburst this way. It's like a shotgun blast. Boom. And it's over. Yes, it's over. But there's a lot of damage left behind from that shot. And wrath has no place in the believer's life. Because what wrath does, just like bitterness, it grieves the Spirit of God. Number three. We see anger mentioned. Like, well, the Bible said back in verse number 26, to be angry. If you were here that night at church, we talked about that. And there are things to be angry about that's okay. The things of God, when, when you are angry, though, about things that happen to you, when it's, when it's anger and it's based on self and not something righteous, when something someone's done to you, that anger is never right. The word anger here means a deep, brooding, resentful feeling. An internal smoldering that builds continually. That word, the anger, it means to become red-faced. You know, you see my face turning red? I quit breathing for a minute. That's what it's talking about. If that anger goes untreated, what's going to happen is, when that anger goes untreated, it's going to lead you to a wrathful outburst. And it's going to lead you to bitterness. You see there's a reason for the order of these things? It's amazing how the Bible works. As soon as the hurt happens, you need to take it to God and leave it with Him. If we cannot do that, then we are to attempt to reconcile things 
We're to handle things God's way because when you don't, when you allow anger to stay in your life, look at verse number 30, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Number four, we see the word clamor. Now the word clamor, we don't use that word much today in our society. But clamor, this refers to a shout or an outcry of anger. It speaks of a person losing control. How many of you, when you get upset, you go silent? Would you raise your hand right now? I know there's several of you that probably raised your hand. How many of you, when you get angry, you say a lot of things? You open your mouth. My hand is up. And it's interesting. If you don't have anger, you won't have clamor. Man, wow, the Bible is such an amazing book. When we are angry and our anger grows and exposes itself in wrath, it will be accompanied by clamor. Think about clamor. We find clamor when we find ourselves raising our voices or acting in a way that shows that we're not under control by the Holy Spirit of God. You realize temperance is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Self-control. And But what it shows is when we have those outbursts that we're not being led by the Spirit of God. I've seen this over and over again. I've had many a people walk into my office and they there's there's no control. People do it to me outside. No control. That's clamor. That's what clamor is. And clamor has not place in the life it doesn't have place in the life of a born-again believer. It doesn't. What we see is when we lash out, we act in anger, we give that control. What happens is, what do we do? We grieve the Spirit of God. In church, as you have bitterness inside, you grieve the Spirit of God. He cannot work in you like He wants to when we're full of bitterness. We have wrath and anger and clamor inside of us. We grieve His Spirit. And He cannot do the work that He wants to do inside of His people. We see, what are we on, number five now? Is that where we're at? And uh, normally in here, I'd have at least one of you who would say, yeah, number five. I don't know. I think it's number five. This phrase, it says evil speaking. It's all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. This is an evil speaking. The word evil speaking is often translated, that Greek phrase, blasphemy in the New Testament. It speaks of slanderous or injurious to another one's good name. When we talk about someone in a negative way, we are guilty of evil speech. When you call someone there, do you know what pastor said tonight? Is that good speech or evil speech? But what if it's true? Did God make you the person to tell everyone what is true? I think the Bible says God doesn't want you to, God hates those who sow discord among the brother. I think that's part of the scriptures too. Evil speaking. This kind of talk is always produced. Do you know where evil speaking comes from? What's the first one in the verse? Bitterness. You don't speak evil of someone unless you're bitter at them. Man, isn't it amazing how all of these apply and how God put these in a certain... The Bible's an amazing book. If I love someone like I should, I will not talk about them in a negative way. If I love my spouse, I will talk good about my spouse. If I'm harboring bitterness in my heart towards my spouse, I will talk negative about them all the time. I want you to remember the Bible's very clear that God hates sowing discord among brethren. And when we're guilty of spreading gossip, seeking to destroy another's reputation... Or saying things just to make ourselves look better. You got to understand something. We're guilty of speaking blasphemy against someone else. When we talk about God's children, it's as if we're talking about God, right? Himself. It's dangerous to talk bad about God's children. If you have a problem with a fellow Christian, the Bible makes it clear, and I'll give you some references. We're going to save a little bit of time and not go to the verses. The Bible makes it clear in Matthew 18, 15, and Luke 17, 3, that you need to go to that person and talk to them. That's where it begins. If you have an issue with a fellow brother and sister in Christ, or you got a problem with your spouse, a problem with a co-worker, go talk to them. Don't go talk to your buddy to try and get them on your side. Talk to them. If, that, if they repent and you're forgiven, you can move forward with that. But if not, then you need to bring someone else into it who can help the situation. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Regardless of it, when we engage in evil speaking, we are doing once again, we are grieving the Holy Spirit of God. 
And then we see, so it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then look, look at the last one, malice. That's number six, I believe, malice. Let me give you, actually, I want to give you one more verse before we get to malice. If you've got your Bibles, go to Proverbs 26. The Bible, oh, the Bible's so awesome. If you don't realize how awesome the Bible is, let me just say it again. The Bible is awesome. It's got all the answers for everything. It is so awesome. And it's so awesome that you just don't have to, you can only learn it when you come to church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night and Wednesday night. You can read it every day. And you can have it. The Word of God is not far away. It's near. Proverbs 26, the Bible tells us down in verse number 20. It says, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. If you want to have a fire, you need wood, right? But where there is no wood, the fire goeth out. Now look at what the rest of it says. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. Whew, that's a good one. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so a contentious man kindles strife. We go to the next verse, verse 22. The words of a talebearer are his wounds, and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. What you got to understand is this. This, and as we see these things around us, we got to do our best to just keep our mouths closed on things. You got to promise someone, talk to that person. That person, you can't get handled with them. Get a, get a fellow brother or sister in Christ, a strong one that could help you. Get your pastor or something like that. Get help in those areas. But don't, don't add to it as we grieve the Spirit of God. You see the word malice, number six. The word refers to things that are evil. It's talking about ill will towards another that manifests in itself to injure them. Oh, I hope he rots in hell. I've heard people say that one before. Isn't that's what it's talking about right here? Oh, so-and-so did that to me. I hope someone does that to them. The attitude of getting even with someone else, what they've done to you. That's what malice says. You hurt me. Now I'm going to make you pay. That's not right. Should it be? I get it. People deserve things. But it's not your job. When we have malice in our hearts... We break fellowship with others. We destroy our churches. We weaken the churches. We destroy the testi our testimony in the world. And malice has no place in the life of a believer because what it does is it grieves the Spirit of God. It does. I know some of you are thinking like, Pastor, you've only gotten through verse 31. We've still got verse 32. It's 724. So what I'm going to do, I'm only going to give you the things we need to abandon tonight. Oh, think, 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 think. No, we're going to... I'm going to finish this. We're going to get through this. We'll be all right. You don't have to go pick up your kids, and you're already home. So if we got out at 7.30 on a normal time, you'd be home by 7.45. So you will be home by 7.45 tonight, okay? Well, let's just get this done, because I hate leaving on such a negative note. So Paul makes this state, these statements here, and he says, if you're truly saved, there are things you need to abandon in your life, and I don't even want to know what people are commenting right now about this, but I'm not looking at your comments right now. I'm just preaching, 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 preaching. And so all these things, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice, they all grieve the Spirit of God. So we see, we see tonight that that's the things that need to be abandoned. Number two, or I mean letter B, we see in verse 32 some things we need to adopt into our lives. So there's things we need to get rid of, and then we see there's some things we need to adopt and put into our life. Paul lists three characteristics that should be found in every Christian. Are you ready? We're going to get through these quickly. Number one, we see kindness. And so he says, hey, Christian, abandon, put away your bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor evil speaking and, and all your mouths. Put all those things away. But this is what you need. You need to be, first of all, be kind one to another. The word kind carries the idea of good, pleasant, gracious. 
It's the same Greek word that is used for gentleness being one of the fruits of the Spirit that's found in Galatians 5, verse number 23. We are to be kind. That's why Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 35 and 36, But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful." regardless of how people treat us. You say, well, pastor, that's just not fair. I get it. But in a Christian, you've been transformed. You're not an old man anymore. You don't have that. That flesh should not be running your life. You have a new man that God gave you. You are a new creature in Christ. As a new creature in Christ, you can't allow that old man to work. You got to put away those things and you got to be kind and regardless of how others have treated you, respond but with kindness, gentleness, and graciousness every single time. That's what pleases God. And that's not something we can do on our own. It's something He must do through us. It's not always easy to be kind. When someone spouts off at us, it is so much easier to spout right back. But that's not what God called us to do. It's called us to be kind. Number two. And I feel like, man, I, Wednesday nights and Sundays I get with it a little bit with no one in here. I feel like I'm starting to lose my voice. I need to take a drink real quick, and then we'll get into number two. We're almost done. I know you got your notes there, some of you. So number two, hey, you need to abandon some things. But there's some things you need to adopt into your life. Be kind one to another. Next phrase, number two, tenderhearted. Can we talk about tender, being tenderhearted on Sunday? Hopefully you remember that. Talk about the compassion. That's what it is. This word means that we're to be compassionate towards others has the idea of literally filling another's needs in the depths of our being. Tenderhearted means to have strong bowels. It speaks of a spirit of empathy towards the needs of others. That's how Jesus was. Philippians 2, 4, Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. And then Galatians 6, 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and what you're doing, you're still fulfilling the law of Christ. Our motive for this should be the same, and do, we should do it for the Lord. First, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, or to love our neighbor as ourselves. And again, it's not natural for us to do that. We are to work towards this being since we're a saved believer. And then, lastly, number three. Hey, Christian, Paul says, there's some things you need to put away and get out of your life. Get rid of your bitterness, get rid of your wrath, Get rid of your anger, get rid of your clamor, get rid of your evil speaking, put away your malice. And here's some things that a believer should be known by. Kindness, tenderheartedness, and your forgiveness. Forgiving one another, that's number three. Paul says that we are to practice forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Isn't that interesting? That's a tall order. Why did God forgive us, Christ's sake? Remember on the cross? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do powerful you know what god said i'll forgive because jesus was willing to let's be honest for a minute moms and dads watching tonight if someone bullied your son or daughter and beat them up what would you do i'd go beat the daylights out of them right that would be your first thought i probably wouldn't do that i would hope i wouldn't do that my first thought is you mess with my kid you're gonna mess with me jesus is being crucified on the cross for doing nothing wrong don't you think that god was a little upset seeing that i think he was father Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Hey, crucify that guy. His blood can be on us. Wow, forgiveness. Forgiveness is to be given freely because it was given freely to us. 
We know how, remember how Peter asked the Lord, how many times are we supposed to forgive? He said 70 times 7, 490 times. It could be in a day. Just of it is we're supposed to forgive. I want you to understand something. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you're going to forget because you'll never forget things. That's the way we are. I still may remember what's been done. Neither that event or that person is going to make me bitter. I forgive them of it. And when I forgive someone of their offense towards me or the thing that they've done, I still have to, you still have to keep a watchful eye out. That's not bitterness in your heart. That's not not being forgiving. But, you know, you come to my house and you rob me. I can forgive you. I'm probably not going to let you just be at my house. I can still forgive you. And it's important. We got to learn to forgive. We got to learn to put it into God's hands. What we do when we don't forgive, we're keeping it and we're trying to deal with it. And God says, vengeance is mine. I already pay, saith the Lord. How we got to see these things. Powerful verses here tonight. Hey, Christian, you're a saved child of God. Live like it. Hey, Christian, this world's running panicked and scared today. You have the, God's not given you the spirit of fear. He's given you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind for these times. And you might not know where that paycheck's coming from next week. You might not know where something's going to happen, but you know who's got everything under control. Christians, it's time that we live like we should. Time we put off the old man. That we renew our minds in the word of God and be filled with the spirit of God and put on the new man. In the process of that, we speak the truth. We don't lie. We use words to edify one another. We get angry about things that we should get angry about. You know what angers me? That they try to put in that stimulus package money for abortion. That angers me. Abortion is wicked and it's wrong and it has no place in any society, period. It's murder. And you want to talk about and get upset about a coronavirus killing 900 and some odd people in the United States, which is an awful number. How about the thousands of babies that have been aborted this year? Why don't we shut down every Planned Parenthood? I've got a right to be mad about that. That's a thing to get mad about. And I'll stop there. Because I don't want to get anybody mad at me tonight. But if you can stand for abortion and vote for people who vote for abortion, you need to read your Bible a little bit more. All right, so... You need to put off the old man, be renewed, put on the new man. You need to be angry and sin not. You need to work. And there's some things you need to abandon. See, you cannot be filled with the Spirit of God and be filled with bitterness. You gotta put away your bitterness. You gotta put away your wrath. You gotta put away your anger. You gotta put away your clamor. You gotta put away your evil speaking. You gotta put away your malice. But what you need to adopt into your life, you need to be kind to one another. You need to be tender hearted and compassionate to one another. You need to forgive one another. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did the life he lived while he was here? Paul is telling us to be Christians, right? It's exactly what Jesus did. A Christian is someone who's Christ-like. That's what Paul is telling them. Hey, if you live like this world, you're not, you're not living like Christ. I don't know what Christ you heard about, but that's not the Christ I know. Let's live for him today. I want you to search your heart. You got some bitterness inside. You need to get rid of that bitterness. You got some anger and clamor and evil speaking, some malicious intent inside. You need to get rid of that. You need to be kind to one another. You need to be tender-hearted. You need to forgive one another. What a powerful passage of Scripture. I'm going to have a word of prayer. I'm going to have Johnny come up here with something for me in just a second. And then we'll be done in just a moment. Father, I love you and I thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thankful for the power that's in your word. I'm amazed that even sitting here in a room that's basically empty, I have few in here with me. I just feel your presence in the midst. That your word's alive and working in this place. Thank you. Thank you for your people. I love them all dearly. It's an extra prayer time for most for everyone that's watching. I love them dearly. Keep them safe. Keep them strong. Take care of them, please. Get us through these days. Father, I just can't I can't wait the day that we get to stand in here together and sing that blessed assurance together in one mighty voice. 
the day we can sing all those songs and lift up our voices in one accord in one place and be together on a Wednesday night. I can't wait for that day. Until then, we're going to do our best to keep moving forward. Let us live for you, your very best. In Jesus' name I pray.